Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. It's game week for the first time since 2020. It's been a whole year, relatively speaking. It's week game week. That's all that matters. Gavin Eubank is here. Myself, Austin David. I'm here. You know, fun. fun. Uh, this is this is a great intro here, right, Gavin? We're, oh. we're, we're doing great. Having a blast. I mean, like you said, this is like statistically not the longest off season that we've ever had figuratively it's the longest off season in the history of off seasons and it shows right now the, the rust is still coming off you know we didn't quite we had a Miami we had the inter Miami of preseasons we didn't really get enough in so here we are <laughs> on opening week and we're still trying to figure it out God, imagine being inter Miami having not played an MLS team in preseason and then just going straight into hosting the LA Galaxy Imagine yeah, being it, imagine being that poorly run of a club. For the folks at home, it literally is on the same level as podcasting. So we do kind of understand what they're going through. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, when you have Nikki Badalich in charge of your soccer operations, you're going to have a bad <laughs> Nikki time. Nikki Badalich and, you know, Jason Kreiss is there playing an integral role. And, you know, you got it all. You just got it all. Like, honestly, it really, like, like I, I know this is a segue to how we were going to start the show, but... The fact that Inter Miami has so many former Orlando people in its front office, in its coaching staff, it's just wild. Like, the B team, Fort Lauderdale, the B team, just hired Darren Powell, who was a former Orlando City Academy head. Then they hired, for the coaching staff, Martin Bloody Patterson as an assistant. And then Anthony Chris Barocas. Yeah, yeah, no, Anthony Pulis is the first assistant to Phil Neville. And it's not only that, it's not just having those guys. It's the fact that inter Miami by all, like any opinion is the most dysfunctional MLS franchise in Florida. And that is a major achievement for this club. (laughs) Major achievement. I mean, all things considered, they got four DPs. They got, they signed four DPs and they were just like, now we got to deal with it. <laughs> oh my god, that club. I mean, to be fair, we've seen LA Galaxy do this before. Well, they did it and tried to get away with it. Miami did it and they were like, "Well, just got to figure it out." <laughs> I mean, no, Inter Miami tried to get away with it as well. But they got found out. And yeah. then MLS is like, "No, you're not LA Galaxy. You have to play by the rules." Yeah. Well, I mean, MLS did put their foot down in the Miami situation, probably primarily because Paul Tenorio reported on it and said, hey, this is going on. Everyone everyone started looking, and now here we are. I can't count on my two hands how many times that you can say Paul Tenorio reported something and then this happened. Because I can can literally, like, go through a a long laundry list of things that either Paul or Sam Stachel – has reported, and then something has happened because of it. <laughs> I mean, hell, the, the Kyle Laren situation, that started because Paul 
started reporting on it. I can't go into too much detail about it, but uh, just know that uh, the whole Kyle Aaron situation of him leaving the club wasn't necessarily because of him. That's all I'll say about that. Wasn't that... What am I thinking of? I don't know what What am I thinking of of where Alicia wrote a story and that set off like a a bomb within... Oh, it was when they were trying to sign somebody. I remember. uh, This was Mm. probably 2017. They Pato, were trying to sign. No, no, no. Not they, Pato. Were, they were trying to sign the center back from France. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he used that as leverage or something. No, no, no. The club thought that he was more valuable than he actually was, and they asked for more money. Uh, yeah. Good times. I remember that whole situation because it was going down at the draft, and this was what was it? It, it was in L.A., and I remember uh, I was sitting with like Ivis and Alicia, and and we were all like talking about it. And it was just kind of wild. That was when you went out and you took your trip to the drip doctors with Samir Nasser. Right? <laughs> That's a good one. I forgot that that even happened, honestly. <laughs> God, jog my memory. Well, we have spent uh, a good five Pulling minutes. Pulling out the greatest hits today. Yeah, we, we, we have gotten off to a, a flying start here for the Orlando Soccer Show. But if you're a longtime listener, this is what you expect from us. And You may off, not like it. Yeah, but. you may not like it, but... Um, this is just how it is. Welcome back. I've missed this. You know, I'm. I think I just haven't been really. Honestly, this is probably the least excited I've been for a major league soccer season. Maybe in part because we haven't like we there's really hasn't been much to write about. We haven't been able to to podcast weekly because there just hasn't been much to talk about. And I think now that we're doing it again, I think I'm ready. I'm excited to get back to doing this. Oh yeah. I built a new desk this month, so I got a new I got a new workstation here. I'm ready to use it. I'm ready to break it in. And you know, let's do this. From time to time. Yes. Time to Macho time. Man. From from time to time. Things are, happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Macho Man Randy Savage. Yes. I'm your it's friend. A... Thank you, but Macho what? Man. He's he's he's, he's just cutting it short this year. He's a friendlier macho man this year. He he's he's your friend. Yeah, what, new I show mean, what, this year. It's a new it's show a new, this year. Brand new season of Orlando Soccer Show coverage. We're gonna try to bring the cast of old friends back into play weekly. Um, we didn't we didn't get them involved in this one, so don't tell them we didn't tell them that we were recording. But from here on out, we will try to get them back in. I heard what you said about me a few days ago, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend. But if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh, my God. I can see Brad peering out my window. He's <laughs> in the bushes. <laughs> he knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> Inspector Brad knows all. He does. It's true. Speaking of Inspector Brad, the one person who said that Daryl DK was going to be Rookie of the Year and have a breakout season for 2020. Uh, let's go into 2021. Let's start from what has happened this past week. We'll go into the latest signings, the latest potential signings. We'll hear from Oscar Pereja, from Nani, and Alexandra Pato, who spoke. Uh, we'll preview the Atlanta game. We'll give you our season predictions and who may do what. And we'll get the other guys' season predictions uh, as we go. And then um, we'll talk about fans and who can actually show up to games. Maybe so, more than you think. 
Yes, uh, that, that may indeed be the case. So, let us start with the Minnesota United game, the final preseason game of the, well, preseason. I was able to go. I was able to see the last 20 minutes or so. And I will tell you right now what the lineup was when I showed up. This doesn't mean how it'll be on game day, on Saturday. However, uh, I'll let you judge and, and make your own conclusions from what I tell you. So, in starting goal, Pedro Galese. Defense, Juan right back. Antonio Carlos center back. Rodrigo Schlegel center back. Kyle Smith left back. Then in the midfield, is Junior Urso, Andres Perea, Sylvester Vandervater, and Nani. Then it was Tesho Akindele up top. And I'm missing somebody, aren't, aren't I? Pato. Pato wasn't in when I got there. Oh, okay. Because he scored um, one of the goals that day, right? He did. That was in the first half before I got there. The second half, they were going the opposite direction, away from the wall. Uh, that's where Sylvester Vandervater uh, scored his uh, nice bending ball. Um, that goal that he scored, by the way, was really nice because uh, the way he took it, it was a ball... I'm trying to remember who passed it into him. I think it was either Michael Holiday or Tesho. Kind of, it was either Tesho coming in or Michael Holiday making a run from the the wide angle. Uh, he cut it inside for Vanderwater to run in on. Sylvester was running in from the right wing towards the middle, kind of taking an angle against Michael Boxall. And then he bodied Michael Boxall off the ball, took a step in a, a, and took the ball into the box a little bit more and curled it right past Dane St. Clair, who was the goalkeeper for Minnesota. Uh, and that's how Orlando City won their preseason game. I saw two goals scored when I was there. The first goal was for Minnesota to tie the game at two. Um, Rio Hope Gund, who had just signed a, little, a week ago, and uh, Michael Holiday were defending on that side. Uh, so Juan and Antonio Carlos were taken out, and the they both got beat pretty bad. Um, no easy way to say it. They were really put under the the cosh in the first five minutes of being out on the field, and uh, kind of did not do well defensively. They settled down as the fifteen minutes went on, but first couple minutes did not look great. That's the lineup. I think I'm forgetting somebody on the field. I swear I'm forgetting somebody, Gavin. Was it Michael Holliday or did he come on after? He came on after. So a lot of those guys came on after. So like Raul Aguilera, who just signed as well. We'll get into him uh, in a minute. Uh, he came in in the last 15 minutes of the game. Same with Holiday and Rio Hope Gund. Uh, Joey Desart came in as well. I think those were the four that came in for the last 15 minutes of the game. From what I am aware most of the guys played in the first half and then did not, you know, they, they were out in the second half and then it switched around. So um, there's no guarantee of, of with Robin Janssen, since he didn't play with in the second half, there's no guarantee that he's playing or not. I'll ask Oscar about him, but that's all I know. Anywho, that's the, the Minnesota uh, skinny. The one last thing I want to mention from that game is the fact that after the game was over, we saw Mauricio Pereira limping off the field. I don't know if he played or not, but he was definitely walking very gingerly back to the locker room in street clothes. 
So not a great sign. Yes, he's he's out for the first game, but you don't want him out for longer than that. Considering that the first three games are incredibly important to make the U.S. Open Cup. Is it just that first match, or was he suspended for two? I think he's just suspended for the first match, much like Nani was last year. That is that is my thought process in that. Still, not not great, all things considered. But that, I think, is the only injury as of right now. I think everybody else is healthy, unless somebody picks up a knock within the next couple days of training. Uh, the most likely starting lineup that you'll see is probably with Galese and Goal, Juan, Antonio Carlos, Robin Janssen, and Kyle Smith. Then in the midfield, you'll have either Andres Perea or Uri Rossell with Junior Urso. Um, you may see Perea playing as the 10, as he did a little bit last year. Yeah, it was. He was handed an additional match, so it will oh, be was. the first two matches. Oh, yeah. dear. Well, then. I mean, it was a pretty bad tackle. <clears throat> it was. It, it was. But we've seen less punishment handed out for more in the past. Yeah. Just saying. So, um, um, Nani being back into the fold is a big thing because he has been injured for most of preseason. He got some minutes with the uh, against Minnesota, so that's very good to see. Uh, there's no guarantee that he'll be starting. Alexander Alvarado has been playing most of preseason alongside Chris Mueller on the right-hand side. Um, I could see both of those guys starting. Uh, Mateus Ayas has also been playing a lot of preseason. Pato's gotten back into the mix. I could see Pato as a number 10 with Mateus Ayas in front of him. Or they could just go a 4-4-2, not have anybody as a number 10, and, and kind of go a bit more direct. But there are a lot of options for Oscar Pereja to try and pull for this game. And also, the thing with Atlanta, they've got a new coach. So it's not going to be the same Atlanta team that you faced last year. Um, we, we saw a little bit of what Gabriel Heinze wants to do in their game against Alajuense. The interesting thing about Atlanta, however, they're playing Tuesday night in the Champions League. So they're playing a meaningful game that they will have to play pretty heavily, their starters, uh, and then turn around and play on Saturday. So that's a benefit towards Orlando. Considering that Atlanta's only up one nothing on aggregate, if they concede a goal, it could go into extra time, it could you know, be a, a lot more competitive as the game goes on. Uh, definitely something to watch out for if you're Atlanta, because... That can get really tricky, especially coming and flying and travel and all that. Orlando just has to be prepared. Yeah, I mean, it's the turnaround helps Orlando. You know, I think the way that I've looked at Atlanta United, and you know, I don't know, is just the team is much better. They, they, I really think they hired the right guy to be the head coach in Gabriel Hines. I, I like a lot of what they've done this off season. They're going to be better. They're going to be a much better team. How quickly that comes together is a different story. I mean, when you talk about MLS, mm. these you know MLS teams typically do get off to slow starts, and especially when you the con, a congested schedule for a team that was handed a Champions League spot last year. You know, it's it does favor Orlando, and 
their focus can be 100% on this game, whereas Atlanta, like you said, you know, they've got this game, and then they've got to fly fly back into the country, or they, they're already in Atlanta for this game, but they, you know, still, a couple days turnaround, they got to prepare, they got to come down to Orlando um, for what I imagine might be a same-day flight, if not the day before, which even then you're traveling, you know, on two days rest coming down to Orlando, but I think this is more optimistic, you know, with a good Atlanta side. Last year, Atlanta was not good, so those games had a little bit built-in optimism just for the fact that Orlando was good. But this game's got a little bit to the point where it, it, there's there's an edge to Orlando, but both of these teams are kind of are going to come ready to play. Don't bet against me. Thank you, Macho Man. See, that's the thing is, I I wouldn't I I'm not I, I'm refraining. I have done to this point from trash talking Atlanta because I do not want to be one of those people that comes back on on freezing cold takes five months from now. <laughs> I mean, you just can't do it. That, that that's the thing with Major League Soccer though is I can't trash talk. I would never dare to trash talk anyone unless they are just outright garbage. Like it's undeniable. Anything could happen in this league. The worst team ever can come back and make the playoffs. Like anything can happen. You can put on a guy with one leg, and that team will still make the playoffs. Like it's major league soccer. I dare embrace the chaos. Not re- I dare not. Yeah, embrace the chaos. Take a line of cocaine. Sit down on ESPN Plus and just watch it all unfold. I mean, because that's basically what this league is. The words to live by. Oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Nothing no. matters. It, it really matters. doesn't. It doesn't. Nothing, Nothing matters. matters. Eat Arby's. Nope. And we move on. Uh, let's talk about Raul Aguilera. He has signed a one-year contract with three team option years. Not only that, but Rio Hope Gund also did the exact same thing. A one-year deal with three option years by the team. We'll start talking first about Raul Aguilera, who's been with the program. And by program, I mean Orlando City Academy. Since 2013, he's gone up the ranks into the academy, into the development academy, and then he went off to college. Um, this was about the same time as the turnover within the front office. Uh, Raul wasn't really a part of the big plans at the time, and he decided, you know what? Who knows what's going on with the future of Orlando City? I'm going to go to one of the best college programs in the country in the University of North Carolina. So, in 2017 goes to North Carolina. He goes for three years, plays 43 games, scores two goals, is basically a defensive midfielder. Then, in the beginning of 2020, in March, funny enough, when the pandemic was about to happen, uh, he signed with OCB in League One. Um, Made his debut on August 7th, played in eight games throughout the season, and scored a penalty. Then, in April of 2021, just a couple weeks ago, he signs a homegrown contract. He becomes the 10th homegrown. So we've hit double digits now with homegrowns. So he joins, let's see, Tommy Redding, Tyler Turner, Harrison Heath, Mason Stadahar, Benji Michel, David Loera, Jordan Bender, Michael Holiday, and Wilfredo Rivera. And eight of those guys, no, seven of those guys by my count, have actually played in games. Yeah, crazy enough, Mason Stadahar has still not played in a game for Orlando City mm-hmm. MLS. He's played for OCB. Only Tommy Redding, Tyler Turner, Harrison Heath, Benji Michel, Jordan Bender have played. Because I don't think David has actually played in a 
MLS game for Orlando City. And then Michael Holiday was on loan for OCB. Wilfredo just signed. And Jordan came in as a sub for one or two games and actually started a game uh, during Lorea? the season. You don't, I don't think David Loera has actually played in an MLS game. He may, have come, he may have come in as a sub, but I'm, I'm struggling to remember which game it was, if that was the case. He definitely. He, oh, you know what? He did. He point. played. He played in two games last season. Yeah. He barely played. It was like 15 minutes. So he's actually one made one minute and 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Both against the New York teams, both at home. That's funny. So back to Raúl Aguilera. I don't know my, how much time he'll play this season. It's hard to say with any of the young kids. I think they'll get their opportunities. I mean, we've already seen it with. I mean, holidays played. Laurea's probably, I mean, like these guys are going to get their minutes. And with the, the schedule this year, you know, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more in depth, but it's going to be congested. It's mm-hmm. going to be packed. You know, there's the possibility of Open Cup. There is. They're just, it's the, such a deep team. There is team, the break though. for Gold Cup. There is the break. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And not only that, but League's Cup later this year, mm. like there's going to be, what is it, seven, eight Wednesday games? Like there's a lot of midweek games this year. They're, the squad is going to be different almost every week. I mean, other than you know when everyone's healthy and the games are split up by like six or seven days but we're gonna get to a point this summer where you're not gonna be able to predict the lineup because it's just gonna be a revolving door of players coming in getting rest getting minutes and i look forward to that at that point you know hopefully orlando's playing well and this is all working out on its own but definitely we're gonna see a lot of faces this year oh yeah very competitive person but i want to tell you something right now i play to win and this is not entitled (laughs) it's play to win thank you I believe he is directly quoting Oscar Perea, So, I mean, I, I'd believe it. I'd absolutely believe it. All right. Uh, we mentioned Rio Hope Gund signed that one-year deal with three-year options for the team. Uh, he's added to the supplemental roster, and he's the first draft pick of the year to be signed. Now, here's the thing. There's still two other draft picks that have yet to report to Orlando City. One of the draft picks did report in preseason to Orlando City. However, he has now left. So Andrew Pannenberg, the goalkeeper that they drafted from UVA, uh, has signed for the Colorado Springs switchbacks. Orlando retains his MLS rights, but, I mean, he would have been the fourth goalkeeper on the roster. They wouldn't have been able to do anything with him. So you, you retain his rights for MLS if he makes it and, you know, you get something for him, but... Right now, you got Brandon Austin and Mason Stadahar waiting in the wings, so you're, you're good on that end. But he was there for preseason, so just to give him a look. Outside of that, Rio Hope Gund has signed, and now they're just waiting on two other players as of right now. There's no guarantee of, of what they'll end up doing because the, the, the roster's full right now if Daryl DK comes back. If he doesn't, that's a different story. But right now, completely full. Derek Dotson, Brandon Hackenberg, to be decided what happens with them. Hackenberg, a defender. Derek Dotson, a forward. I'll say if there's anyone they need from that, it's Dotson, obviously, being their top pick as well. And mm-hmm. you know, Like you mentioned, DK might not be coming back. Like They're going to need that guy. Right. I, so. I think if, if DK does not come back and they sell him, Derek Dotson is in. Brandon Hackenberg, I don't know where he fits with that because, again, he's another defender. Uh, if he can play left back, I think he has in the past, but I'm not 100% sure. You know, he, he he could be an option. I think what Orlando could also do is maybe 
maybe sign him and immediately <clears throat> loan him out if that gets him off the roster. And then, you know, you got if DK stays this year through the end of the season, you know, hey, go out, get your minutes. We, ju- we just don't have them here for you. Or they obviously have his MLS rights and they can leverage that and get something for it. Yep. Maybe an international spot that they've been looking for. Yeah, that, that's also a very big possibility. Uh, and as you so perfectly lead into that topic, uh, the international roster spot, as the team continues to look at their options for a alternative left back, since Kyle Smith is right-footed, he's not a natural left-footed player, and as a left back, you would want a naturally left-footed player. They're weighing their options on what they can do when it comes to their left back. And to this point, there was a rumor going around uh, the Brazilian left back Enrique. As of today, that deal is not happening from what I've heard. Um, they don't have an international roster spot, and they don't feel like they can acquire one as of right now so close to the season they could potentially revisit it down the road but because they don't have an international roster spot available they can't bring in Enrique and they don't have an actual roster spot available right now so they can't bring in Enrique Um, unless they loan somebody out this is the team you're rocking with that's that's how it goes (laughs) sorry buddy building's full capacity you know listen you know we want to open it up but COVID and mostly just MLS won't let us I am very curious to see what Orlando City does with some of these young players because I could very easily see them loaning out a guy like Jordan Bender or a guy like David Luera to get minutes, to get playing time, since OCB doesn't exist right now. I could see them loaning them out, bringing in somebody new to replace them with that roster spot. But I think because of the international roster spots and the way that visas are working to get players in, considering how long it took with Sylvester Vandervater, I could see them going domestic. Now, here's an interesting tidbit. During preseason, they actually had a left back in the preseason mix, Sam Gleedel, who was on the roster for Minnesota United but had been playing at Reno 1868 for the last three seasons. Uh, Reno doesn't exist anymore. They folded after the pandemic. So he was a free agent. Orlando could have signed him. However, San Antonio, USL championship side, also who has players from Orlando City like PC and Santiago Patino. Uh, he had signed there back on April 6th, so uh, they could always try and convince him to come back. There have been players that have signed for a USL championship side and then a couple weeks later have gotten a contract with MLS and then have gone to MLS, which obviously, why wouldn't you? So that's an option. They're at least familiar with a guy like Sam Gleedle, who is... English-born but American-bred could be an option. Kyle Smith was an, a USL left back or USL right back. Look at how well he's done, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And Sam Gleadle has an attacking mindset too, which I'm pretty sure Orlando City want in a left back. They want a guy who can get forward and who's left-footed. Yeah. But that's still to be determined. I think for the first couple of weeks they're going to stick with Kyle Smith at left back and hope and pray he doesn't get hurt. Knock Just, on wood. No one is allowed within ten feet of him. That includes opponents. Like he is. As soon so no, there's like an invisible invisible barrier. As soon as you get there, the the flag goes up. I'm just like nope, you you can't. <laughs> just yeah, bribe the refs. Around, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't worry about and it. And then you know if he gets hurt, then well, Rodrigo Schlegel is gonna have to go play left back because that man can do anything apparently. Yeah, I honestly could see Huan move to left back and Michael Holiday play right back, or they could go three back. 
Or five back. Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, There's options. They don't have to stay with the four back. Oscar's talked about being flexible before, and, you know, he's he's not a... He's not the kind of guy to pigeonhole his team into one specific formation, one specific playing style. Mm-hmm. He's he's good at being flexible. He's good at figuring out solutions to different situations. And I'm sure he's got he's got plan A, he's got plan B, he's got plans C, C through Z, you know, God willing that they don't have to go to any of those. But he's I'm sure he's got these figured out. It probably hasn't been easy, but, you know. Somebody will be, 11 players will be on the field doing soccer. If doing the soccer doing the soccer doing the one soccer. way shape or form well as you speak about oscar pareja why don't we listen to uh, what he had to say from the quote-unquote media day uh from earlier today uh oscar nani and pato all spoke and um well we'll just let them talk and uh tell you some of the big tidbits of uh what they think it is important to be consistent uh Last year, uh, we, we have a lot of joy on uh, achieving many objectives, but at the same time, we understand that uh, that we were short on uh, the final prize in the league and something that we want so bad to give to the community and to the club. Uh, so, Mike, with, uh, with the energy that the boys have and uh, the desire, uh, the dreams and the uh, commitment that, that we all have with this club but we're expecting nothing but just keep growing and keep competing for the first places uh yeah but we still have three four days uh, to finalize our finalize our preparation uh the obvious one is mauricio that won't be in the game due to his suspension uh everybody else is uh, trying to get fit and the ones who had been carrying any pain or uh, any anything that we kept them away from the game, we are waiting on and uh, see if they can be on Saturday. So I will wait until the final day, but, uh, the, but the team looked pretty healthy at this point. We have some uh, players that are trying to catch up with uh, the preseason and, and trying to be in their best. And we will analyze if it's uh, worth its wait a little longer and, and see. But so far, we, we're good. And we have a, a, a deep roster at this point and trying to adjust the new ones too to the routines and the idea of, uh, of the game that we like to play, things like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, we can have a good number of players uh, ready for the game. Well, Oscar is an amazing guy. Oscar is like a um, very nice coach. He, you know, uh, when you have some uh, question or some maybe problems, he comes to you and he speaks to you, he explains to you everything you want to know. So I think he, when the coach has this feeling with the players, that's the, the best way to, to get something uh, special. So I think every player here, uh, loved him. He has pushed every players then more old than more young. So I think every 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 players is happy to have him in this club. Like I've been saying every time, it's it's special to to, to play in our stadium, um, and it want to be more special this season because uh, we had a, a difficult year. 
um, last season, and we want we want to, to get back into normal uh, to see our fans play in front of our fans, and if that is the case, to play with a lot of fans uh, will be special for everyone because we have a lot of motivation to, to start playing and enjoy our game in front of uh, our fans. It was a little bit complicated because um, I had to pass a couple of weeks fighting with this pain, but um, now I'm, 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 I'm feeling good. I've been working well and obviously um, still a little bit um, uh, to, to, to improve on, on that, on that uh, um, knock, like you said. Uh, but uh, I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling ready. Uh, my, my mentality is, is, is already on the game, on, on, the, begin, on the, the start of the season. So I'm, I'm excited to start and, and to start uh, our goals. And there you have it. Here from Oscar, Nani, and Pato as they prepare for their game on Saturday. And speaking of said game, let's talk about it, Gavin. Uh, we're going to speak Sorry. about first this game and then we're going to talk about the season in general because we got to do our season predictions. Who's going to do what and who's going to be who? First off, Atlanta United, what do you think is going to happen? Well, a lot of sunburns. This game is at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. Um, I think Orlando nudges out a win. Like I said, it, I don't expect this to be an easy game, and if they don't win, that wouldn't come as hardly a surprise either. I mean, they could. this game could really go in either direction. Like I said, I think Atlanta's good. I think, you know, Orlando's going to be able to carry off that success. I'm not expecting a drop-off. Maybe not right away, um, but I think I think they do edge out a win, maybe one nothing, 2-1, to one, something like that. I, I, could, kind of, yeah, so it's, I could see something similar to that. For sure. I'm definitely interested in – I want to see what the starting lineup looks like, but I think particularly around the midfield just because, you know, you mentioned who was playing in that game against Minnesota, and I'm really curious to see because we saw Oscar preferred to go to Uri Russell last season. We, we know Junior Urso is going to play. But does Andres Perez, you mentioned him. I don't I don't see him as the number 10. I mean, that's obviously not where he is. He's more of a, a central defensive midfielder type. But – his stock is rising. We've seen him with the national team. We've seen him with the U23s. I, I want to think that he's going to continue to get minutes. Now, if Oscars are going, when everyone's healthy, obviously Pereira back as well. Pereira back as well. I don't know if Pereira, Pereira, Pereira. Oh, <laughs> too many of these guys. Now I'm mixing myself up here. I don't know if Andres there <laughs> necessarily you go. There you fits go. into the picture the way that it you know, if the if the midfield is set up like it was last year. Now, everything pretty much is happening behind closed doors. Oscar knows best what's gonna what's going on. I wanna see them lean in to Andres because I wanna believe that this kid really is a good midfielder on a good rising prospect. So I don't know. I'm interested. I'm very curious and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what the starting lineup looks like. Yeah, I think you and everybody else. I think the fact that he was starting Pato as well. I mean, I want to see yeah. what this guy's got. I honestly kind of doubt him, but he looks like he's he's loving it here. He's really excited, and I think that he's as got as long as he can stay motivation. Yeah, as I long mean, as yes. he can stay healthy, I think mm -hmm. he'll be okay. But the, yeah. that's the big question, and that's been the question his whole career: Can he stay healthy? If he can stay healthy and play, 
it's going to make not having Daryl DK so much easier. It's going to make being able to sell Daryl DK so much easier. As much as we want Daryl DK to come in and score 20 goals in Major League Soccer this year, like, I don't know that Pat, like, I don't, I just don't know that mm-hmm. Pato's capable of that. You're capable of even half well, of that. Here, here's but the thing. But if he can, that's, it, there's just, there's enough firepower around him hypothetically mm-hmm. that this all could work. And here's the thing. The forward depth for Orlando right now is pretty good. You got Pato. Last year you got was great, and I think this year's even better. Yeah. Well, you paper. have right now you have Pato, Tesho, and Mateus Ayas. You could play Sylvester Vandervater there. We're not even mentioning Chris Mueller. No. But, well, I mean, Chris Mueller is just a known commodity at this point. Yeah. Like, he had such a breakout year in 2020. You almost expect even more growth considering the, the trajectory that he has had over the last three years. Mm-hmm. You just expect more from him right. to this point. So let's talk about predictions. I'm going to ask you over under a certain amount of points. I'm going to ask you where, the, you where you think they finish. I'm going to ask you who the top goal scorer is going to be, who the breakout star is going to be, and then your expectations for the season. So first off, Orlando City got into the playoffs last year thanks to a whopping Guess how many points, Gavin? 41. Uh, yes, 41 points. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 41 points, which got them fourth in the conference. What's crazy is that 41 points is actually very close to the most points that they have ever had in a season. Do you know what that is, Gavin? 45. It is 44. Oh, okay. They were one win away from tying their most ever points, having played 10 less games. You know, we... Uh... Well, you know what popped out for me last year without going on a whole nother tangent? You know, we talked about we, – we, we know how good this team was last year, especially defensively. Like, this was a really solid group defensively. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of going to be what anchors them down this year, I think, with all of the moving parts up front, is that their plus 15 goal differential. Not only was it the best pl- goal differential that the club has posted in six seasons, it was the first time that Orlando City scored more goals than they gave they up. conceded, yep. That's that honestly shocked me, and you know, not that I was surprised. Like, oh, Orlando's been bad defensively. I didn't think that that had happened. <laughs> yeah, I thought is. maybe in 2015 they were probably close to the mark. Maybe in 2016, well, no, yeah. they've been bad but, defensively every yeah, year. They've been, and then it just got worse. But they, they've and worse and here's worse. the thing: they've been bad defensively, but they've been good offensively throughout some of those years. So you almost yeah. expect like it to be very close, or at, like you know, at the very least, like kind of negative one or two. But no, it's yeah. it's been pretty, it's been pretty disparaging. Yeah, last year was like the the biggest difference, obviously, for the team was by by and away how good they were defensively. I mean, and mm-hmm. that's going to be you know as we kind of keep going. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Um, in the regular season last year, they lost four games. One of them was before the pandemic, and then three after. Two of them coming to uh, Inter Miami in the last game of the season, lost to Nashville. Every other game they got points from. That's an incredible run of form for an Orlando team that just the year prior was bad. I mean, really bad. So, all things considered, and looking at years past of who got into 
uh, the playoffs with how many points. I'm going to ask you this, Gavin. Will Orlando City be over or under 50 points on the season? I think I. it's an, it's an easy over. I mean, they got 41 in 23 last year. Mm-hmm. So you're talking an extra nine game or an extra 11 games to get another nine points. Yeah, I absolutely take that. I mean, the, listen, the schedule is going to be tough this year. They leave the Eastern conference just twice. So it's going to be a dog fight. If they get 50 points, that's probably going to be 50 to 60 points might be the benchmark for the top mm-hmm. teams in this, in this conference. So we'll see. Well, I mean, I just don't see anyone running um, away facing the teams that are in this right. division. I, I, I'll say this though. With the year last year being kind of weird, 2019's Eastern Conference, only three teams got above 50 points. Yeah. And that was the last regular, regular season that was played. I think, I don't know. I want, I mean, I think they're probably going to wind up between somewhere 45 and 50. But, but the, like I said, the way that this schedule might play out this year, the way that the season's going to pan out, that's not bad. Like No. That might not be a bad thing. That's still going to get you probably top half in the conference. Right. I think that they're going to go under 50, but just under, like 48, 49 points. Yeah. Because, I mean, the thing that gets me is, like I said, there's no – well, actually, we, they, uh, the, 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 I was going to say they can't go beat up on those other teams out of conference, but they do play. San, San Jose is one of those two teams that they leave the conference against. But, yeah. I mean, like you look at the – Nashville's not a pushover. Miami, we joke, is bad, but, you know, who who the hell knows with them? Every, every team signed some every good team, players this offseason. Like – yeah, no, every team has improved in the conference. Chicago, Montreal might be bad having lost a coach a month before the preseason started. I would say I would say Montreal is going to be the worst team. I, I feel like that's going to be the case. But every other I mean, team is We're looking improved. at it. 14 teams in this conference, only seven make the playoffs. I, oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean, in years be... past, in years past, it's always been the Western Conference. There's a, a bigger disparity in the Western Conference when it comes to skill compared to the Eastern Conference now, I think. Because like there is a definite drop off when you look at teams like San Jose, Colorado, Houston, Vancouver, even Salt Lake nowadays, maybe compared to teams like Seattle, Minnesota, L.A. or even L.A. Well, now. They have yeah. Austin out there now, and we don't really know if Austin's going to be any good. True. In year one. True. I almost forgot about Austin, and that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And they have Matthew McConaughey. How can you forget <laughs> about that? It's McConaughey, Will Ferrell, opening day. Yeah, that's that's quite an opening a big day. hype matchup. All right, we talked about over under points. What position do they finish in conference? I want to say, oh God, I feel like fourth is kind of where they might sit at. I think the MLS soccer experts, you know, they all the average was around. Most of them were saying third or fourth, and I think that's pretty fair. I want to say that fourth place is kind of where they go. Um, I would say, I would say fourth or fifth. Yeah, last year, funny I enough, think Philadelphia, Atlanta, maybe Toronto. You know. Toronto obviously not playing their games at home, so we'll see how that affects them. But yeah, I think they can get as high as third. But I'm, I mean, heck, I'm gonna say I'm gonna predict fourth. <laughs> Toronto is gonna be playing their Concacaf Champions League game at Disney. Yeah, <laughs> real Disney club, huh? Yeah, they're the real Mickey Mouse club. <laughs> All right, uh, last year I predicted they would finish sixth which I wasn't too far off on, to be completely honest. Mm. If you look at like the total standings, I think they finished... Where did they finish in the league? I think it was fifth. 
Yeah, so I mean, six isn't too far off, to be completely honest. I could say I, I think I'll even. I'll say I'll say fourth or fifth. Yeah, I'll go fifth. Fifth in the conference. Yeah, they were fourth in the East, and then Kansas City was the only uh, Western Conference team better than them last year. Right, which made them fifth. Okay, and technically, technically Orlando was better on points per. No, Orlando had more points. Kansas City played two less games, so they points per game wise. Kansas City was third. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. so we talked about conference finish. Who's going to be the top goal scorer for this team? Last year, may I remind you, you said it would be Dom Dwyer. Listen, my nightmare scenario right now is that Orlando sells DK, which means that they're going to need another forward on this roster. And Dom Dwyer currently does not have a team. That's my nightmare scenario. <laughs> I think they have three. Looking they, back, yes, I do look fairly stupid. I, they have three forwards on this team. I don't think Dom's coming back, to be completely honest. But uh, Dom yeah, came yeah. back, played one game in MLS's back, missed a couple of shots, and then was done for the year. He had an assist. He did have that assist. He did have that assist. All right, so you said Dom Dwyer last year. Who are you going with this year? This is tough. Honestly, I, I just don't. I mean... If DK's here, that's who I lean on, and I think that's who most people lean on. The likelihood of DK but, being here, considering the projection, right? I, the likelihood. Now, did you see Dom Garber came out today? Um, yeah, he the, said he's worth Monday. more than twenty million. He's worth more than twenty million, and he took credit for DK's success. You know, saying we're really hoping that this guy, we're going to have more success with this guy. You know, than we had with Alfonso Davies. Like they're betting that they're going to try to sell this guy, and it sounds like for between twenty-five and thirty million dollars, which. I don't think that that's happening. Crazier things have happened. But in a post-pandemic world, I'd be shocked. That's If that's what they're going for, I think DK DK's ass is on the field for Orlando City come the end of May. Hmm. But, you know, if, if Barnsley, they're in a playoff spot, Barnsley could get promoted and they might say, hell, $20 million, $25 million, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. <laughs> we need this guy in the Premier League. But, <clears throat> you know, if it's not him, I'm going to say Chris Mueller. Chris Mueller's a good shout. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's just too much to be excited about him. It, it's hard for me to try and figure out who's going to be a top goal scorer because we just don't know how this team is going to look. Yeah. I think, like I said, there's just so many moving parts up front. It, I think it could be very well like a situation like last year where the goals are just coming from everywhere. That is true. I <sighs> I want to Especially say with all the squad <clears throat> rotation, you're not like I said, you're not going to see the same 11. So the opportunities for guys to score might be a little dwindled. So it's just going to be plug and play. Like I want I want to say Chris Mueller. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see someone like either Pato or Vanderwater step up. The biggest question I I feel like is is Vanderwater going to supplant Chris Mueller as a starter down the line or will Which, Chris Mueller maybe think about it be what crazy you know yeah well considering the year that Chris Mueller had yeah. I, I could see Chris Mueller becoming an inverted winger on the left to supplant Nani when he needs a rest mm-hmm. uh we've seen it in the past with Chris Mueller playing on the left um if he gets as many games as he should 
I think Chris Mueller can score all the goals. Um, but I think if Pato is playing up top, I think he is your leading goal scorer. Yeah, I think that's another underrated thing. You mentioned that with being able to supplant Nani. Nani burned out last year. Mm-hmm. His performance fell off a cliff. And because of the depth that they now have, they're going to be able to give him a lot more rest. They're not going to have to lean on him so much, especially early in the year. They're going to be able to, hey, you know, save the ta- save the legs. Let's let's you know, let's take it easy. You know, we'll keep the tank a little bit full, and then when we get to the end, we can do that sprint to the finish because mm-hmm. that's where Orlando City started to fall. Is when Nani fell last year. Now they have, they're able to depth. They have the depth. They have the yeah. They have the depth to keep his legs fresh to keep everyone's legs fresh assuming knock on wood people stay healthy because as we know that's not a given especially in orlando when the the weather gets warm and hamstrings are you know running around on yarn so we'll see gotta stretch out those creamy hamstrings yeah (laughs) now you got me thinking about five guys (laughs) what how? There's a big sign up. There's, there's a big sign. Like you know, you go to Five Guys and they have like all the reviews posted everywhere. There's just one sign that I just always end up looking at, and it's like the fries turn out creamy rather than crunchy because they're cut wide enough. And I just think about that. Uh, you you went from <laughs> hamstrings to fries, Gavin. Get help. I you went from yarn to creamy hamstrings. So I mean, really, who's worse? Who's worse? We're both terrible. Whatever. <laughs> who's going to bring a breakout star? This is just star? the PG podcast. Gavin, the who's breakout it? star? Who is it? <sighs> That's a good one. Um, I think it's going to be Vanderwater. You know, he he comes in under the radar. He's not a big name signing. He's a TAM player, though. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy making some good money. Yeah, people don't know him. They don't know who he is, and. The you know, people are talking about Pato, like that's that's the guy that Orlando brought in this year. Focus is going to be on DK if he comes back, but I think you know with Chris Mueller, Andres Perea, Nani, he's got the potential to just get in, get his work done, and really contribute to this team. I I think it, I would go the same route if I knew how much playing time he would get. Yeah, because I mean, the, it could the be biggest... a situation where he could be kind of like the sixth man essentially, where. But if he doesn't he, uh, again, have to be a superstar to be a breakout player. You know, he can right, be that yeah. guy that everyone's pointing at. It's like, look at this guy comes like Chris Mueller was a couple years ago when it was like, this guy is coming Super off sub. the bench. He's he's doing everything. He's lighting it up. And that's how you get your name recognized. And ultimately, that's also how you win more minutes. So we'll see. But who does he supplant if he gets more minutes is the big question. If Chris Mueller and, and Nani are playing well. That's that's well, what I'm trying got, to figure out. You've got, listen, you, you got, like I said, Nani's going to, is not going to be able to play every game. At least it's just not smart to play him every game. Mauricio Pereira has shown a, a tendency to get hurt. Mm. So you're going to want to move him around, keep him in, you know, manage his minutes as well, especially if he gets hurt. Mm. So there's there's going to be plenty of opportunities with the way that the schedule is set up this year to to everyone's going to get a good amount of minutes, I think. And you know, Oscar, like like we said, Oscar's good at managing those and getting guys in and out, especially they have five subs this year still. Their MLS is, from what we yeah. understand, is still going by that rule. So there's going to be plenty of you know substitutes happening. Absolutely. All right. Um, I'll I'll go with Vanderwater then. I th- I think he he's if if not him then it'll be Pato. I think I'm mostly just curious by him because he's hmm. he's kind of kind of guy that like I get. I don't want to say Adrian Winter vibes, but like a guy who is just he's coming in from Europe but underrated 
and he could be potentially a very good player out there on the wing. I, I will say, watching him in person, he is much bigger than just about everybody else on the field. Yeah, He's 6'1". That's going to matter, too. When yeah. you think about all the balls that Orlando loves to cross into the box, that's going to make a difference. If, if he gets into the box. If, if you know, They could play him as an out-and-out striker. They could play him as a winger. Um, but... He, I, like, I, I watched him, and he's able to beat guys down the line pretty easily. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun. It'll definitely be fun. All right, last question. Expectations for the year. What do I think is going to happen, essentially? Um, like playoffs, how far well, in the playoffs, we, will they win the championship? We, we both, yeah, I mean, we both think the team's going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious about League's Cup. I think that that's going to be an opportunity for Orlando to do something, to kind of get a trophy. You know, they want to win a trophy, and they're going to take – I think they're going to take that competition seriously. And being that there is only eight teams in it, you start out in the semifinals, there's an opportunity there. I mean, they might win it. They might take that as their path to a trophy if they don't make it into the Open Cup Mm -hmm. or the Closed Cup, as, you know, they're calling it this year. It's just straight round of 16. You know, that's another opportunity as well. I think Orlando's going to compete for a trophy this year. I don't know that they'll get one, but I think they'll come. They're going to have a few chances, and I think they'll get pretty close. I don't know that this is the year for an MLS Cup, but like we said at the beginning of the show, you know, do a line and just watch the shit unfold because anything can happen. <laughs> you know what's funny? Um, Minnesota made it all the way to the conference finals last year. So Yeah. What's funny when you were mentioning the U.S. Open Cup, um, th- you know the two, the one of the two teams that actually qualified from the amateur league is Tyler Turner's former team, the Newtown Pride, up in Newtown, Connecticut, which is nice. uh, interestingly enough uh, based in Sandy Hook. Uh-huh. That's nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, kind of a nice story there with everything that Sandy Hook has gone through. Uh, to have their local soccer club be in the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, yeah, that'll be a fun story to watch. Yes. Speaking of Tyler Turner, by the way, just to throw this out there, he's currently on trial in Mexico with a Liga MX side. Okay. Yeah. He was Maybe just he'll sign with a team that Orlando plays. It's very possible. It's also. I think equally... either Leon or Cruz Azul are the only team. Well, there's only like one Mexican team confirmed for that League's Cup so far. Yes. Leon will also be in Orlando uh, on Wednesday to play Toronto. Fun fact. All right, last thing I want to talk about before we go to the Orlando Pride. Ticket capacity. As of right now, the season will open with 50% capacity for fans. According to Flavio Augusta da Silva on his Instagram on Monday, he said that they'll be at 100% by May 8th, which is the third game of the season. Well, that's what he's hoping for, right? Or was that a definite? He, I don't know because it was in Portuguese, and I don't want to take the translation out of context. So I will say that it was. It was he said 100% by May 8th, but he did not confirm that was a possibility or if it was a confirm confirm. But I want, to get, I want to get your thoughts on it. Do you think it's Listen, too? You know, I mean, is it too soon? I feel like it's too soon. It's a lot sooner than I was expecting, to be quite honest. I wasn't expecting Orlando to go that route until June, mm-hmm. because vaccines just got opened up to everybody, you know, last week. And you're talking about 
if people are just getting them and then you got to wait three to four weeks until you get your second shot. And then even after that, it's another two weeks until your your immune system is fully dialed up and ready to go. So, I mean, we're talking like into the middle of May. So a lot of people, if they go 100%, you know, I don't know. I It's going to be tough. I think for me personally, you know, we've been planning to go to a game and we were kind of looking at the end of May. And mm-hmm. if that's the case, I think I'll feel comfortable just because the outdoors and they're probably still going to make everyone wear masks. Now people actually wearing the masks is a different story, but mm. you know, I'm, I'm protected. I got my second dose on Friday. So, um, so by that point, you know, I'll be fully fine. I'll be armored up and I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see everything, especially, you know, we just watched the Texas Rangers opening day last week, do 40,000 packed into the stadium. And that's a, a roof ballpark. I mean, the roof was open, but you know, how good does that help? And we're so we're not really sure how these these events are still kind of affecting what the spread is like. So we'll see. It's kind of I I assume that they would wait until the vaccination numbers were were high to actually start looking at this. But I guess listen, we know this team needs to make money, and game day ops is how they do it. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes the next couple of weeks, uh, considering how the vaccine rollout has been going on. I think maybe June would be more realistic, but, um, you know, it's Flavio wants those fans in seats and I'm sure the fans want to be in those seats, but, uh, got to do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as we finish up Orlando city, we'll talk about a team that is actually playing this weekend. Also at home, also in front of fans. It's the Orlando pride coming off their first challenge cup game at Racing Louisville, this was an interesting one because it was against a expansion team, which is actually uh, headed by James O'Connor. Funny enough, he's in the front office for this Racing Louisville team. And uh, Orlando was a kind of an unknown commodity because they had a lot of players making their debuts for the team. But <clears throat> the way that it played out, Louisville scored first. Taylor Korniak equalized right before halftime. Orlando subbed in Taylor Korniak's best friend, Abby Kim, who then subsequently scored 10 minutes after she came in to give Orlando the lead late in the game. But then in stoppage time, as it typically happens for the Pride, sadly, Louisville equalized, and they come away with a 2-2 draw. It was a tough game. It's a lot of feeling out for both sides. The way Orlando has changed, there has been a lot of different players coming in and out and film from last year doesn't necessarily give you anything to go by and uh trying to do film study on a team that's never been put together before in louisville is impossible so both teams kind of came into the game without any knowledge of each other and it almost showed the weather didn't help for sure it didn't help uh it was raining throughout most of the game and uh the ball was slick the ball was kind of running a a way that players weren't able to read it properly, like it was either running too fast or it was just stopping, depending on where in the field it just hit. Uh, Allie Riley, after the game, was was talking about how crazy it was just to be able to play in that. Definitely not the greatest environment to play in, but heck, it's, it, it's rain. You can never predict it. Yeah, I mean, Mark Skinner talked about it before the game. You know, he said this is going to be a challenge. You mm-hmm. know, like, we don't... 
we can't we don't know what this team is going to do nobody knows what this team's going to do because no one's ever seen them and like you said I, i'm sure that louisville was kind of feeling the same way not only being their first game but like you said the, the pride have gone through shifts of their own and you know basically and that they don't have a lot of tape to go on last year because they weren't in the challenge cup last mm. year so um and it's such a different certain, team from last year too yeah um i think Kind of a couple of the things that stood out to me. I wasn't home to watch the game, but watching the highlights and looking at the stats, you know, the goal by Taylor Korniak, a great goal. Her family was right there, 30 feet away in the stands. So that was a really cool moment. Abby, Abigail Kim, like that, a certified banger of a goal uh, for her part. Um, and then Maggie Doherty had the assists on both goals, you know, yeah. picking up a couple of little assists there. I mean, Orlando, for, let's, from what I understand, obviously I didn't watch the game, but they gave up that early goal. They didn't look great in the back. There were some moments during the the highlights where they talked about Orlando kind of being outplayed in this game. They had more shots on goal. Possession was 50-50. Do you agree with that? You know, What was your kind of takeaway on how this team looked compared to expectations? I think it was very hard to judge the team by one game, first off. Mm-hmm. Right. Um Second off, I think it, they looked better in the midfield. The buildup on the goal for the second goal was was pretty solid. Transition from an interception in the back line, moving the ball forward, getting it into the midfield, finding pockets of space, just being able to break lines with passing, uh, I think is something that Orlando hasn't necessarily been great at in the past year or so. Uh, and to be able to see that in the second goal that they scored, I think was very important to the backbone of this team just being able to break lines with passes and being able to have players that can do that i think that's big and like you said meggie doherty howard the florida native by way of tampa but still florida native went to uf um mark skinner's talked about how important it is to have florida players on this team she had both of those assists one uh, with a cross into the box to find Korniak in the first goal, and the second one was a, a perfectly rolled ball for Abby Kim as she was making her run into the box. So uh, it, it just shows how important Doherty Howard is to this team. And that's, again, she's filling in for Gunnion's daughter, who's on international duty right now. So you're still not getting the full complement of what you can see in the midfield or in the forward spot with uh, Alex Morgan out. Mm-hmm. So there's still there's still more to be desired from this team, and I think we'll start seeing it over the first couple of games. But I wouldn't put too much stock into this Challenge Cup. It seems like the way that Orlando is treating it is a preface to the regular season, so that they can prepare themselves for what is to come. Right. You know, this is this Orlando... isn't necessarily a real. It's a trophy, yes, but like it's it's not the same kind of tournament as it was last year when the Challenge Cup was potentially all they had. Yeah, I think my take on the Challenge Cup is that, like, the way I see it, it's it obviously the games don't count. Mm-hmm. But, like you said, it's a trophy. I think that there is some real intensity to it. I mean, we watched on the first night the, the game against uh, Portland and – who is it? Who am I blanking out on? Um, <clears throat> Portland and Kansas City. Like, tempers were flair, and these players were into it. I think these teams want to win. I think for Orlando, though – they know, okay, we're we're not gonna win this thing. Like honestly speaking, they've got a really tough four game draw here. You know, the, uh, Gotham might be a more manageable game, but 
Washington and North Carolina are certainly going to be very, very tough challenges. So like you said, for them, it is all about we got to use these to get every single minute we can to get ready for that regular season because that's where we're really going to start to be judged. That's where we really have to show some results and make up for what has really just been a a miserable couple of years for this team altogether. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely... Whatever you see on the field, don't take that away as a lasting impression. You can use that to shape an opinion on this team and kind of shape expectations, but definitely not drawing many conclusions right now because we're they're still trying to. You said it, a very large new group of players, not a full, not the full strength squad. Still trying to figure things out. You know the conditions as well as this game, a completely unknown opponent, all of that kind of play into it. Right. I think we'll so. see a lot more in the game on Wednesday when they're at home in yeah. front of their fans and not having to worry about travel and everything. But uh, I think the opponent's going to be interesting. The newly rebranded Sky Blue, now known as Gotham FC, which I love it. It's yeah. great. Oh, love it. Great rebrand. A lot of teams don't get it right, but this these ones got it right. Tell you what, the last year and a bit for Sky Blue, now Gotham FC, the way they have run things has been miles and miles better than how it used to be just announced today they actually are starting a reserve side yeah yeah that's Um, that's massive as well and in the new york new jersey area too plus they're going to be playing all their home games at red bull like that's massive i don't think so i think they're playing at uh one of the colleges are they really i thought they were playing at red bull arena i think they downgraded just because of uh, not guaranteeing capacity and yada yada that kind of stuff um that's so unfortunate i th- i think i could be wrong um damn they're playing at montclair state university yeah that's so unfortunate. but you know it, it, listen you know they're, they're they're getting their name out there they're building up I, someone joked you know a lot of talk or what about infrastructure lately you know with what's going on in the country and what is infrastructure they're doing it you know mm. they're investing in this team i think there's been a lot of concern especially I mean, there was what the players were changing in porta potties or you know yeah, small ass trailers. This was just a few room. years ago, right? It probably like the team is showing commitment <clears throat> now, and they're showing that this ownership group is is in it to build a club. And I think that that is ultimately one of the most important things for this league. You know, when we look at what's going on with Kansas City, they have an ownership group that's committed to doing that right now that they didn't have last time the team was in Kansas City. You know. It, the pride are treated as first class citizens with Orlando and so on and so forth. All of these teams are getting great ownership. I mean, look what's happening out in you know LA. So now with that team as well. So it's a good time for the, for the NWSL as far as, you know, the infrastructure of the league and where, where things are heading. So just very quickly, uh, I looked up the fact that Gotham FC will be playing some games at Red Bull arena. Eventually it will be their permanent home. But there is nothing official that I think it'll start uh, during the regular season, not during the Challenge Cup. Right. Yeah. We we still don't have that that schedule. <clears throat> no. So we'll see. Someone. Mm-hmm. Well, you you know what we need to do? Tweet Meg Nalinahan. Where's the schedule? Oh, I'm sure she just loves that. <laughs> I had Gotham FC during the NWSL draft had a cutout, a cardboard cutout of Meg Linehan. 
<laughs> and they just kept like I think they made a joke. It's like, oh, or, so it's just like asking the real Meg Linehan where the schedule is. It's like the same thing as talking to the cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, listen, I if you as a media member, you know you've made it when teams have cardboard cutouts of you asking it where the schedule is. That's how you know you've made it. It's just one of the biggest running jokes in NWSL Twitter. Yep. That and, and during, I wanna, during the Challenge Cup last year, it was the uh, the playground. Yeah, yeah. Everyone go on the slide. <laughs> we need to get the big rotating lion in Orlando, so that can be the thing. Is like score a goal, sit on top of the big rotating lion as it spins around. That needs to be a thing. Where would I want to add? But one that's more, like outside like, the stadium. That's why they need. Well, you to just run it. outside the stadium. Yes. That no, seems they'll, put like it in, they'll put it in the corner. In one of the corners. That's what they need. I see. Then it's like hidden, though. Eh. I do want to add one more note, too. I don't know how we managed to made it through the whole Atlanta thing. Um, Mm. Joseph Martinez is back. So Orlando's dad is back. No, no, we're not not talking about him. We're not talking about him. (laughs) Okay. Maybe it was... He's not the anymore. (laughs) Again, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm doubting someone that is going to kick Orlando's ass. I just want to be on the record. I am the type of person that doesn't talk negative. Yep. Yep. yep, 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 yep. Uh, so Gotham. Gotham Wednesday, 7 p.m. This game, CBS Sports Network, mm-hmm. national TV. Last thing, so last thing I want to talk about with Pride. Those jerseys, though. Woo! We, 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 hit, we teased at it last show. Um, we got a bit of a preview with it. I got to be honest, I didn't see like the full color spectrum of the jersey when I first saw it. Uh, we tweeted out a, a, an early photo uh, a couple hours before it was actually dropped. Gotta say, it looks it looks a lot better than what I saw the first time. Listen, uh, I knew it was going to be cool, but I didn't see how good it actually looked until it actually dropped. When Orlando City releases a jersey, like I was really hoping that I could buy an Orlando City jersey this year, because I, but I wanted something that was like, I have to buy that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't buy jerseys a lot. Obviously, the price is just kind of like, I'm going to spend $100 on a t-shirt I'm never going to wear. Yep. When this Pride shirt came out, I saw it, and I was within like five minutes of them dropping it. I had already bought one. So, like this, I'm wearing it right now. It just came in the mail today. I am so excited. Like, it's awesome. It's as great as I thought it was going to be. They hit it out of the park. They won the space race. Houston ain't got nothing on this. Like honestly, I don't even know why they. That, it wasn't even a. It, it was not even, it wasn't a, race. even a race. There was yet. there was no challenge for that at all. No, not even close. Nope. But they nailed it. They got this. I wish. I wish the uh, the Swan kit last year was like a little bit cooler to kind of pair mm-hmm. with it. It's a good kit, but you know, maybe if they go in a little bit more next year. NWSL in general, though, all their kits. Women's sports in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the, the WNBA dropped a lot of good stuff this week too. Oh yeah, like that, that's been really impressive. But like the Louisville kit, that that thing's nice. Nike's Nike's on it right now. Nike's I doing mean, some good things. We all we all know Adidas that, is not. We all know that Nike is better than Adidas when it comes to making jerseys because Adidas, for some reason, continues to think, "Hey, we need to put those three stripes on the shoulders." Always. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. I will say the one thing about the Nike jerseys is that they do fit a little bit more snug. Well, they're I, meant uh, for athletes. As you, as a former that's athlete, the problem. that's the problem. 
I I got a large, expecting it to be like a little bit loose, but this is it's making me think about myself, and you know, I'm just have to work on go that. for a run. Yeah, go for some go 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 for runs. I'll lay off the chicken tender subs for a couple weeks. There you go. <laughs> there we go. I know it's hard being in the in the bakery now. Oh, <laughs> it's extremely hard. Anyways, uh, we're gonna round out all of the rest of Orlando soccer talk. Uh, just very quickly here, the OC Academy 23s, they are playing still, uh, and they are winning still, by the way. They had one of their games canceled because of rain. They didn't end up playing it. It just finished like a 0-0 draw. They played like five minutes of the game, and then just that was it, done. Uh, that was the day that Orlando had their ske- their uh, scrimmage against Columbus canceled, and um not not much for that game, but then their most recent game that they played against the Orlando Rovers, they won five to one. Uh, Orlando Rovers actually scored first. It was one nothing, and then the OC Academy twenty threes, which is by the way consisting of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen year olds, beat the Orlando Rovers five to one. Their next game is on Wednesday at 8 o'clock against FK Orlando, also known as Orlando. I actually know a number of people who play for FK Orlando, so I was hoping to go see them, but um, I will be not there instead. I've heard that Justin Miram is actually like a lead in that club. Oh, because not it's on the record, F- but F- he's there. K or- yeah, fuck Orlando, right, yeah, naturally. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. All right, uh... Had to yeah. get that one in there. So, OC23s, they have a, a full game or full schedule. Their last game of their season, at least their spring season, will be on May 22nd. Most of these games are going to be at OHP, Osceola Heritage Park, which is still closed to fans. However, their away games will be open to fans as far as I understand it. So, keep an eye out for that. Uh, one game to circle, May 5th, OC Academy 23 playing OFC Barca. You know why that's interesting? Dennis Chin plays for OFC Barca. Oh. Yeah. That'll be fun. I'm excited for that. All right. Last thing when it comes to Orlando soccer, college soccer wrapping up. Start with Rollins, and then we'll go into UCF because UCF is still playing. Rollins soccer, they have finished up. The men's team just took down one of the top 25 teams in the nation, the University of Tampa, 2-0 in Tampa to close out their very shortened season. Uh, sadly, it was only six games, but they went 4-1-1. One, one. They lost their first game and then did not lose the rest of the season. Very good games, uh, all things considered, and something to build off of if you're the Tars heading into their actual season, which hopefully starts in August. As far as I understand it, College sports will be back to normal starting in August. Schools will be opening back up to 100%, and hopefully most places will be vaccinated. Uh, The women's side of Rollins College Soccer, they're also going to be playing Tampa, but that's going to be at home on Saturday, April 17th, which is this Saturday. But that game's at 11 a.m., so if you want some double action of soccer, you can head over to the Winter Park field, just in the heart of downtown Winter Park. And you can watch some early action for women's soccer and then head over to the Orlando City 
game at three. Now, UCF. Start with the women's side. They had their final game of the season yesterday. I was supposed to be on the call for it, but it got rained out until 8 o'clock. They couldn't get anybody to broadcast the game. So that game was not televised, uh, and UCF lost 3-1. to one. They were missing a number of players. COVID hit the team, and uh, they were not able to field most of their starters. A number of other issues came around, and they were unable to field certain players. So uh, they were very depleted at the time. They needed to win that game in order to make the conference tournament. They did not. They lost, and their season is now over. They finished 2-4-1, and one. Uh, a very kind of weird season for the women's side and Tiffany roberts Hadek, but this was a weird year, so don't put too much stock into it. On the men's side of things, their season continues on. After starting the season one and three, they have now won their last six straight in route to a conference championship, a regular season conference championship, their third in a row, an extremely impressive feat for this team. They finished their regular season seven and three after playing 10 games. Uh, they were actually had a better record on the road than they did at home, which is very, very unique. But they get to play the team that they always seem to play in knockout round situations, SMU. Uh, Fun fact, or maybe not so fun, SMU has ended UCF's season every single year since 2017. That being either in the conference tournament or in the NCAA tournament is always SMU. It's crazy. (laughs) So hopefully that doesn't happen again. UCF has already beaten SMU twice this season, one at SMU in Texas and one in Orlando, which was just a couple weeks ago. That game will be on Thursday at 7 o'clock. If they win, they will play Saturday at 7 o'clock, so right after the Orlando City game is over. If you want to head off to the UCF Soccer and Track Complex, you can watch the final. And if they win that, and even if they don't, maybe... Just by merit alone, they could make the NCAA tournament as an at-large. But if they win it, then they're an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. So that's what it is for UCF and Rollins. All the soccer going on here in Central Florida. And you now all know what's going on. And with that, I think we're done. Gavin. What's up? Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the people listening in? Go soccer. Go soccer. Yeah, that's it. I'm excited that we're back to this. I can't wait for the season to start. <clears throat> Get to back to We finally this. have actual you know, get like mad occasionally. We we have well-founded optimism for the first time. Yep. I would like to point that out. We started this show in 2015 and we have well-founded optimism where it's like actually like possible that this team could be good because of how they did last year. Yeah. Anywho, uh, that's the only thing I wanted to say. So for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week with more and hopefully more people to join us as well. Go City. Get excited. Go Pride. Get excited. With that, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>